This is the Encounter Community Church podcast, where we will take one or two nuggets from Sunday's message and look at how we can take, utilize, and apply it to our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church podcast. My name is Ken Ballard Jr. I am the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And I just have to say, it's official. And you may be wondering, what is that? Well, it is official. Atlas became officially ours today. He just recently had surgery to take care of surgery stuff for male dogs. <laughs> I was trying to, sorry for the pause. I was just trying to think about how do I say that on the air? appropriately uh but yes he was he was neutered but we went and picked him up today and that was kind of the deal is that we were fostering him until he was neutered and then after that he would become officially ours so we picked him up today we signed the adoption paperwork and now we have a black 98 pound pit bull mix in our home and we're really excited. Everyone excited about it. We're all excited about it. Uh, he's a little sore, which is completely understandable. But again, he is home. And speaking of home, just want to let you know that I am actually recording in my backyard once again. Like I said, I, I just really do. I just love it out here. So this is an opportunity for me to kind of step outside. It's nice. There's a nice breeze right now. And, and I don't know about you, but it's actually cooler outside than it is inside. <laughs> Have you had that experience in your home as well, where you go through your home and you're like, man, it's sweltering hot. And you step outside. And it's like, oh, man, that just feels so much better. So I'm, I'm outside right now. I'm hoping that I don't get too many bug bites, <laughs> but we will see. But let me tell you, you guys are worth it. Every bug bite I get, you are worth it <laughs> for me to be able to uh, be able to come and be with you right now. And I just wanted to also say this. If you are listening to this podcast, maybe you're listening to it through our website. I just want to let you know that we are also on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify, look up Encounter Community Church, look for our logo, the big blue E with the arrows on the ends. Then what you'll do is you can find Encounter Community Church and you can be able to listen to us on Spotify. Uh, really easy way to find us there. You know, the other thing that you could do is you can go to our website and on our website, uh, there is a description of the podcast in the link. And I, I believe that there's a link there that will actually take you to Spotify and you can sign up and follow us there and get your updates there as well. So the great thing is you can listen to us listen to our podcast, and then afterwards, get your groove on <laughs> to whatever music you like or whatever music it is that you're listening to right now. But you can do that. And I, I also wanted to ask this question, I guess, how, how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, as I'm sitting in my backyard right now, you know, one of the things that we decided to do as a church, as I'm thinking about it, is we decided to forego having our services. Although we were meeting outdoors and we were practicing social distancing measures to keep everyone safe, uh, we were also practicing 
clean hygienic measures to keep everyone safe. Uh, we were also creating a situation where we were asking everyone to wear masks, again, to keep everyone safe. And everyone at Encounter was great. It was totally great in doing that and going along with it so that we could be able to have the best service possible. And, and there were some challenges. You know, when you are meeting outside and having to social distance, it, it does. It affects the environment of worship and all those other things. But our church persevered through that and continued to meet. And so I, I just want to thank you. I want to thank all of you who are listening to this podcast at Call Encounter Your Home. Uh, that came out to help us uh, in our worship services and to be there and to support us and to have the opportunity to be able to worship God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. But when I saw the numbers trending upward, what we decided to do is forego meeting outside, go back to just having our services online only, to do it via live stream. And, and I think it was a great decision, you know, based upon what we are continuing to see with the numbers. And now you know, we've had the governor, uh, Governor Newsom, decide that, yeah, you know, we need to take a step back in California. And so he's also ordered indoor worship services ending, which is really interesting because we were outdoors. But still, I, I would rather err on the end of safety and caution, especially with COVID-19. There are certain things that you can gamble with, Right. Certain things you can gamble with. Cards, you can gamble with. Cash, you can gamble with. Lottery tickets, you can gamble with. Life, not so much. <laughs> not so much. So I decided, and we decided as a church, that it, it's better to just be safe. So we've gone back to just meeting online. But but what about you? What do you think about the numbers and the way that they're trending up upwards? Do they concern you? Does that concern you? I mean, on July 7th, which unfortunately happened to be my wife's birthday, the numbers were over almost 12,000, I think it was 11,600 cases in California in one day. And we actually set the record for outbreaks in states until that point. And then I don't know if you saw this, but there was, I guess there was a person who owned a business that made grilled cheese sandwiches in Florida. People were protesting on behalf of the person to let the person make your sandwich without wearing a mask. I know, right? <laughs> I, hey, if you don't want to wear, wear a mask into the store, I, I totally get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. But if you want to make my food, hey, hey, now that's another, you got another thing coming, buddy. <laughs> but people were in the store protesting the rights of the person to make your food without wearing a mask, without wearing a mask. So I guess the police had came in and the police were, you know, issuing a warning. There's a possibility that the business might be shut down. But I think even the governor of Florida, even with that, because here's the thing that's really interesting. When that protest happened at this grilled cheese place, the very next day, Florida broke our record with 15,000 outbreaks in one day. 15,000. I mean, can you wrap your heads around that? I, I saw an article that I thought was really interesting. It was talking about how 
churches are, you know, places of worship are at risk that they are. They called in the article, it, it called them hotbeds of spreading COVID-19. Well, here's the thing that was really interesting. Since churches began to meet in May, since then, since May, May 31st, up until I think I, I said when I, when I saw this article is like maybe two, three days ago, up until then, there have been 650 cases in churches. 650. That's it. 650. Florida had 15,000 in one day. Of the churches where there was this, the outbreak of the 650, the reason why it happened in some of those churches is because they weren't following protocol. They weren't following safety protocol. But I think only 650 out of all the churches in America, the small churches in America that got together, started meeting again, that's a pretty good number. That's a pretty good number compared to, like, in, again, California, 11,000 in one day. There was a few days in California where there was 7,500, 7,000 in one day. And you had 650 in churches over several months, which goes to show that you had churches that were practicing protocol, that were practicing safety. And, you know, praise God for those churches. Praise God for you that practiced it. And I praise God that we can continue to keep that trend going once the doors reopen and we can start meeting once again. But, but how are you doing? How are you doing with that stress? And I, I've been talking about some things, you know, recently when it comes to dealing with the stress, right? We've been talking about uh, having to, you know, people having to wear masks and people not wanting to wear masks. You know, I just gave the example of what happened in Florida and people protesting for the right of a person who ran their business to be able to wear a mask. So we have this mask versus no mask thing. We have the Black Lives Matter movement and you have All Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter. And a few weeks ago, I, I about two weeks ago, I, I did a series, I, I did a sermon on conflict and the new normal. We talked about how Jesus handled conflict. And I also talked about it on the podcast. So if you want to go back and listen to the podcast from a couple weeks ago, you can check it out there. You can also watch the message and see where I talked about it there. But, but you know what hit me it, is I came to a realization and the realization is this. When I look at Christians, I see this divide between mask versus not mask, right? Uh, when I look at Christians, I see this divide between racial equality and status quo, keeping things as they are. I, I, I see that as well. And, and so it hit me. I, I realized, like, you know, in this message, I talked about how to deal with someone who is a polar opposite of you. It is true that there are some people who are the polar opposite of us. I, I didn't really think about that the polar opposite would be someone of the faith. <laughs> right? I mean, because a, a lot of times when we think about the polar opposite of someone in Christianity, we think of people who are not a Christian. But what I'm seeing is a polar opposite being people of the faith that are disagreeing with one another on mass, not mass, equality, status quo. And it just hit me, like, if we don't agree with one another, then how are we going to be the example of his love to the community around us? How are we going to do that? This Sunday, we started a brand new series called Seven. 
I was reading a devotional not too long ago, and it was called Seven Hebrew Words Every Christian Should Know. Now, why Hebrew? Well, the first half of the Bible, so that's it's referred to as the Old Testament. So that goes from Genesis through the last book of the Old Testament called Malachi. It's the first half of the Bible. The interesting thing is that is translated from Hebrew. That is translated from Hebrew. So in other words, the Hebrew language really is vital to the foundation of the faith that believers have. Really is vital in that. So it, it does, it, it raises the question then, if I'm going to grow in my faith, are there some Hebrew terms that I should study, that I should know? And when I read this devotional, seven Hebrew words every Christian should know. If you're interested in that, what you can do is you can go to the notes for our message on Sunday. And that's if you're using the U version Bible app, U, Y-O-U version, U version. Bible app. So you can find that on Google store or on, you know, the Apple store, you, you, you can find it there. But the, the good thing is you download that, go to the menu, click events, search, click the encounter community church. It'll give you the latest message from last Sunday. And then if you could scroll down at the end, you'll see a Bible reading plan. And on the Bible reading plan, it has that seven words, seven Hebrew words, every Christian should know. So I read this devotional and I did it for, you know, it's seven days. I did a devotional and I was just inspired by it. I really was. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do a sermon series on this. And the interesting thing is just the way God's timing works out. After we finished our previous series, I was praying and beginning to think about what we should do for the next series. And then that's when I remembered this. I started going through it. And the very first word was the word for love, the Hebrew word for love, which is chesed. That's right, chesed. No, I'm, I'm not coughing <laughs> or anything like that, but it's actually pronounced that way, chesed. That's the Hebrew word for love in the Old Testament. And so I started to dig into it some, and I thought that, you know, this is the reason why it's so important. Because typically what many people think is, is when you look at Christianity, the, the one characteristic that should characterize Christianity is love, right? That, that's the clear one, right? When everyone thinks of Jesus Christ, the word that they think of is love. And if Jesus Christ is love, the word Christian means Christ-like, then what should be evident in our lives is his love. But unfortunately, if you talk to people, sometimes the last word that you get to describe a Christian is love. Why is that? Why is that? Because I know that as, as Christians, we read the scriptures and we read passages like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Or we have passages like Romans chapter 5, verse 8. For God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or we also have things like Mark 12, 30 and 31, where Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In Romans 13, Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding, except for the continuing debt to love one another. So, so we see this term of love coming up over and over and over and over again and again and again. In the Old Testament, we see things like Isaiah 54.10, where it says, For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Our Exodus 34, 6 and 7, it says, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. But we see love. We see love. Now, I know some people might look at that end of that last passage and say, well, wait, 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 wait. You say that God pours out his unfailing love, but in that passage, it talks about sin being laid upon the third and fourth generations. This is where you and I really need to understand this. And that is the way that we love or the way that we have a lack of love does spare to our children. And people will say, well, you know, the opposite of love is hate. No, 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 no. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is sin. The opposite of love is sin. So, so with that in mind, then, it's important for us to begin to recognize that my actions, if my actions are that of not love, if my actions are that of sin, then it's possible for me to spread the after effects of my sin onto my family. And, and haven't we seen that? Haven't we seen that? Like the child of an alcoholic gets older and struggles with alcoholism themselves. Or the child who had a father who was a womanizer grows up to struggle with being a womanizer himself. We can go through the list, right, of the actions of parents and how it spread to the kids and then it spread to their kids and then it spread to their kids. So really what you do have to decide and, and what this is saying is we do have an accountability. We have an accountability to our kids and that accountability is to live a life of love. It's to live a life of love. And maybe, just maybe, when our kids see our lives of love, then maybe they'll live a life of love themselves. 
to live a life of love themselves. Now, here's, what's, here's the thing that's really interesting about chesed, the Hebrew word for love. The first characteristic of that love is that it's selfless. Selfless. I, I talked about this on Sunday, that, 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 that there's a difference between selfless and self-sacrificing. Like when you're self-sacrificing, which is still a beautiful aspect of love, when you decide to surrender an aspect of yourself in order to show love, that, that's still beautiful. So please don't get me wrong. But what happens with self-sacrificing is in order for me to be self-sacrificing, I still have to be aware of self. And I have to be aware of what self is giving up. But this idea of this selfless love is no consideration of self whatsoever. So when God pours out his love, his total focus of that love is on the recipient of that love. No focus on the benefactor. No focus on what he would receive. His focus is on the recipient, the one he gives that love to, and understanding the necessity of that love. You know, and the other thing that we talked about on Sunday when we looked at chesed is we said that this love, because it is is self-sacrificing, we also said that this love is, is not driven by emotion. That the idea of chesed is, is love in action. Like it, it moves. It's not driven by emotion. Because a lot of times when it comes to love, especially for us, we have to be honest with ourselves, that sometimes when it comes to love, my ability to be loving is hindered by my feeling of not wanting to. <laughs> right? And there are times when you were just tired. And haven't we done that? Like as parents, we've done that with our kids. We're exhausted and we say things that we regret. Haven't we done that with our wives and our husbands? We're exhausted. We say things that we regret. Uh, haven't we done that with our bosses? We say things that we regret. Or maybe there's an opportunity, opportunity to volunteer and we don't volunteer. Why? Because we are exhausted. We are tired. So although there is this call to be loving, that call sometimes is hindered by the fact that, well, I just don't want to. <laughs> I have the feeling right now, like I don't feel like doing it. Well, I said, this kind of love that, that, that it talks about God having, uh, it's interesting because when you go back, there's a couple passages that I read earlier in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, where it talks about the unfailing love. The translation of chesed, or unfailing love is chesed in that passage. Or in Isaiah 54, where we talked about faithful love. Well, again, the Hebrew word chesed is faithful love. Is that love, it's, it's that love that is consistent. Is that love that is there. Is that love that is, is kind, is steadfast, is faithful, it's good, it's merciful. That's the kind of love that we are talking about there. And that love is not affected or hindered or impacted by the fickleness of emotion. Like I continue to give it no matter what it is that I feel. That's the love that God has for us. It is not prompted by emotion, but it is moved by action and compassion and mercy. And, and then it's the kind of love, he said is the kind of love where it is it is unflinchingly loyal. Like, like there's, 
with chesed, there's no doubt that I will love you, that God will love you. Like it is, it is unflinchingly loyal. It will never diminish, even though we are disloyal, even though we may reject God, even though we may walk away from him, even though all of those things, it, it is still fearlessly and faithfully loyal. You know, one of the things that we were concerned about is we got Atlas for a couple weeks and then we took him in to get his surgery on Sunday because they wanted him in early just to kind of watch him a little bit. And then, you know, he had his surgery uh, and then they kept him overnight just to kind of had his, had his surgery on Monday. So they kept him overnight. But there was still that part of us was, that was like, and we do this, don't we do this with our animals is we put our human emotions onto our animals because for us, like, right, if we went and we were with someone and then they left us for two days, we might fear like rejection. We might fear walking away. We might fear this aspect of just giving up. We might, we might fear that. And we might fear that someone would do that to us. We were like, what is Atlas thinking? What is Atlas feeling? Like, what is that moment? And I'll tell you what, when Atlas saw us, he was just as excited. His tail was wagging. He got in the car and he went to each person in the car. Uh, he went in the back. He put his paws and kind of stood up on my youngest son and then went to my, you know, my eldest daughter and then went over to my youngest daughter, went over to my eldest son, was kind of making his rounds in the car. Then he came up to the front of the car and put his head on the console. My hand was on the console, so he just kind of set his head on my hand. And then he leaned over for my wife and wanted her to pet him too. Like, dogs demonstrate this aspect where they are loyal. Where they're loyal. And in this, maybe there's something that we can learn from dogs. I, I, I wonder if we can learn from dogs this aspect of God and maybe begin to demonstrate that in our own lives. I mean, it is kind of sad, right? That dogs demonstrate love better than we humans do <laughs> on a consistent basis, right? There, there is that challenge uh, in that way. But maybe we can be more loyal. But, but that's what this says. This, this is faithfully loyal. Faithfully loyal. For example, when you take marriage vows, we say, for better or for worse, for rich or poor, in sickness and in health. The idea of that concept is chesed. That's the kind of love that we're talking about demonstrating in our relationship. A love that is fearlessly loyal, faithfully loyal. And that's the kind of love that God has for you. So when you reject him, when you walk away from him, when you sin against him, he still returns to you.
because that's how much he loves you. And then in, in Psalm 23, 6, it says, Surely your goodness and your goodness and unfailing love, there's it is, said, Your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, what's interesting with that word pursue, that word really talks about when you are pursuing an enemy. And when you feel like you have won a victory, you will pursue that enemy at all costs. Why? Because you want to pillage them. You want to, you want the plunder from what you get from being able to take over that enemy. So the interesting is, or it is, interesting thing is that's the term for pursue that David uses there. It's like it's a relentless pursuit. I remember when I was in elementary school, and you might flash back to this as well. Remember when you would play tag in elementary school? Remember that? Back in the days when we were run and we would run and we remember those days when you could run and not have to stretch? <laughs> Do you remember that? Remember those days when you could run and there was no threat of pulling a muscle? I was playing soft or I was playing kickball with our church. We did a kickball outing and I tried to stretch a little bit, thought I had stretched well. And I had kicked the ball. I was coming around first. I came around second. And I was coming around third. And man, I tried to turn on the Jets and pull the hamstring. <laughs> that never happened when I was in L. You remember those days? Remember those days? But remember when you would play chess? Uh, not chess. When you would play tag. Who would you go after? I know me. When I played tag, I didn't go after the fastest kid. I went after someone I knew I could catch, <laughs> right? And I would pursue that person relentlessly. Or I would go after someone whom I knew I was in better shape than, right? So I could run longer than they can. And so I would, I would just keep running and then I would catch them and then run off and catch my breath <laughs> but I would pursue people I knew that I could catch now here's the interesting thing about this love that David talks about this love that says it will pursue me all the days of my life the interesting thing about that love is that it will pursue you whether it catches you or not. He will continue to pursue you relentlessly because that is how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. So with all of this in mind, and this chesed in mind. What do we do as believers? What do we do with this love? How do we take this up? Because I, I tell you, it's important for us to demonstrate it. So you might be asking, well, why don't we as Christians demonstrate this kind of love? Why don't we? And I can give you several reasons. 
I think one of the reasons why we don't demonstrate this kind of love is because we tend to love the way that we want to be loved. We tend to love the way that we want to be loved. Now, you may be thinking, well, Ken, that doesn't make sense, right? Because I want to have unfailing love. We want to, I, it doesn't make sense. But here's the thing. We tend to love in a way that we want to be loved, but what we don't recognize is that our love is flawed. So therefore, the love that is given to me is flawed. So as I look at my own love or my own lack thereof, it's very easy for me to get selfish in the love that I give. See, I, I give the love that I want in the way that I want to be loved. But in other words, it, it still give that love, but it's still based on self-satisfaction. That's the thing. I love the way that I want to be loved. So I want you to love me the way that I feel like I am being loved. So if I am someone who loves to give gifts, I want you to show love by giving me gifts. If I am someone who serves, then I want you to show love by serving me. If I am someone who shows love by encouraging words, I want you to give me encouraging words. So do you understand? That's what I mean about love being flawed and loving others the way that we want to be loved. Well, the problem is then if the way that I need to love others falls outside of the way that I want to be loved, that's why my love is flawed. That's one of the reasons. I, I think the other reason is comparison. But, but we compare ourselves to the wrong thing. I can always look at someone and find myself more loving than someone else. For example, I know I'm more loving than Hitler, <laughs> right? I am more loving than Charles Manson. Now, I know those are extremes. And we don't typically compare ourselves to those two. But maybe what we can do, what we do is we compare ourselves to those that are around us. And we say, I'm more loving than him. I'm more loving than her. And so we think that we have arrived at love. But here's the thing that's really interesting. For example, in 1 Peter, God says, be holy as I am holy. So the standard of holiness that I have in my life is not that I'm holier than someone else. It's how does my holiness compare to God's? And, and what if we said this, be, be loving as I am loving. Because Jesus said it. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love others. Is it possible that maybe one of the reasons why we are not as loving as we should be is because I'm not comparing my love to Jesus. I'm, I'm comparing my love to those that are around me. And it's easy to have a higher standard than them and think that I'm better than them. But when I look at the incredible love of God, the chesed love of God that I, that I talked about here, 
And I'll be honest, like, as I look at those, look at this love, I am seriously flawed. Like, I do. I have a ton of work to do if I'm going to be loving in this way. But how beautiful would that be? What if someone looked at the love in my life and in your life? And they saw a love that is selfless. They saw a love that supersedes all emotion. They saw a love that is not fickle. They saw a love that is committed. They saw a love that will never give up. What if they saw that kind of love? What if they saw that kind of love? What if they saw that kind of love and my desire for equality? What if they saw that kind of love and my willingness to wear a mask even when I don't want to? What if they saw that kind of love? It says in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy. And that word, to love chesed, is what it means there, to love chesed, and to walk humbly with your God. To love, love. And and this is deeper than love that is based on emotion. And I want to encourage you, the mistake that we as Christians make is sometimes we even walk away from God because we don't feel his love. That's romantic love and that is driven by passion. Be very careful about that. This mature love of God is not driven by emotion. It, it, it's deeper than that. It's loyal and it's, it's committed. It's, it's a love that is there whether you feel it or not. It's the difference I gave, that I gave on Sunday, the example. This is the difference between dating and marriage. There's a woman named Lois, Tavar, Lois Teverberg. But here's the thing that's really interesting. She's written several books, and one of her goals is to try to create an environment amongst Christians to rediscover Hebrew and to see how it brings vitality into their faith. And she said this. She says, more and more Christians even talk about our relationship with God as a romance We reminisce about the day we accepted Christ, fondly remembering the night we first met. Does that mean that we're only dating and not married? On my crabby, grumpy days, God's chesed is what I hang on to. For better or for worse, he stuck with me, no matter what. No matter what. So let's make a commitment and let's embody that love. Let's allow that love to move so greatly that we decide to pursue it, exemplify it, personify it, embody it, represent it. Let's allow our love to become that much more alive 
so that when people look at us as believers, even though we're flawed, even though we are flawed, they may see those flaws, but they'll also see love. And you know what I found? Is when you are truly loving, people can work with your flaws. <laughs> they really can. But when you're a jerk and you're flawed, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, howdy. And goodbye. <laughs> I am out. See ya. Don't let the Lord hit you where the good Lord split ya. Right? I am out. So let's make a commitment and begin to truly embody his love. Well, again, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. As I said before, if you're listening to this on our website, you can also head over to Spotify, search for us there, follow us there. And that way, when we post our podcasts, it automatically posts and you can be able to follow us there. And again, I would love to continue to get your thoughts about the podcast. I had someone that sent me a message the other day to ask me to explain something in the podcast. I thought, that's great. I love that. So please, let's continue to, if you could do me a favor, sorry, if you could do that for me, like if there are points that I make that you think, huh, uh, please email me, please or text me or get a hold of me, please do so. If there are things that I'm doing well, please let me know what I'm doing well. If there are things that I can do better, please let me know what I can do better. Again, my goal is to create a place where you could come for 30 to 45 minutes and just be encouraged and challenged and uplifted. And I'm hope that I'm able to deliver that to you. Well, again, thank you so much. Please join us for our live stream this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. We'll actually be diving into faith. I know it's a word that we talk about a lot, faith. But you might be surprised at some of the inclinations that you'll learn about faith and maybe some of the challenges that you might have in examining your own faith. Because there is, there is a difference between faith that is rooted in God and faith that is rooted about God. So make sure you come and check it out this coming Sunday, 10.30 a.m. Oh, and then one more thing, just to wrap this up real quickly. On July the 22nd, if you know someone who is in need of food from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., that day, it's a Wednesday, what we're going to do is we're going to pass out boxes of food. And in these boxes, it will have oatmeal, it'll have raviolis, it'll have uh, canned raviolis, it'll have beans, it'll have canned, canned vegetables, uh, it will have uh, raisins. I mean, it, it'll be a good little box to get. So if you know someone who is in need of food, we're going to be passing out food that day. So please, 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 please let them know about it. Uh, we would love to be able to, to serve the needs of those in our community. We'll be doing it at the church. So again, July 22nd, 
10 a.m. to 2 p.m. People can come by and they can pick up boxes of food if they are in need. So please, please, please spread the word. Spread the word. Again, encounters about three things. Love up. Let's fall madly and passionately in love with God. Love out. Let's love our fellow men. Let's love God more so that we can understand his said. And let's begin to demonstrate said to others. Love up. Love out. Love in. Please take care of yourself. Get rest. Pound the vitamin C. Do the things that you need to do to protect yourself from this COVID-19. Because right now it is crazy, y'all. So take care of yourself. Well, take care. God bless you. And we'll see you once again next week. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you're looking for a way to get more connected to our church, head over to our website at encountercommunity.church. You can see the times of our services as well as the events that are happening at our church. And you can feel free to come out and join us. Also, if you'd like to make a donation uh, to our church, allowing us to continue to make a difference in our community, then you can head over to the page that says online giving and you can follow the link from there. Well, take care. God bless you. And we're looking forward to seeing you once again next week.